0: Voices of children in the distance. Yeah,
1: we're recording.
0: Oh, okay. I'm recording now. I didn't know if we were recording.
1: You can assume we're always recording. <laughs> on the dawdlers, I record my whole week and we edit it down to 15 minutes for a short. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: good. I like that. Uh, yeah.
1: And then sometimes we blow the audio and don't even have it. That was that's always fun. Oh, I'm getting a phone call. <laughs> Turn your goddamn cell phones off, crowd.
0: Alright, well I, I actually probably need to take this.
1: Alright. Yeah, I did already. Alright. And we're back! They're not all attuned... to... your... state of vulnerability. No. Attack!
0: Attack, he's... sat down for a second. Uh, Alright. So, uh... (laughs) Oh, should we... Oh, yeah, introductions. This is a... This is a... This is a... This is not a long one. Okay. This is a short one. Uh (laughs) All right, so I'm Ryan
1: Can We Want a Donut McKenna. And I'm Harland Cousin Revolutions Grant. And this is the Doddler's Philosophy Shorts. This week, we're going to talk briefly about. I suppose the abstract topic might simply be satire, but the particular memeplex that I wanted to expose our audience to, should they not know about it already, is the pseudo hammy partial jokester religion called Discordianism, because I think. It is interesting. Mm. And we already talked about one of its fathers, Robert Anton Wilson, in a previous episode. And I wanted to talk a little bit more directly about this kind of jokester, hippie religion satire that they made, these people came up with. And then maybe talk about uh, what you think of satire as a tool for subversion or something. Mm. So on Earth, in the last couple thousand years at least, I don't know how far back it goes, we got this thing called religions. People seem to take them pretty seriously. They seem to have a drastic influence on the course of civilization's history at minimum. And as you may have gathered from previous episodes, I'm not a big fan. I won't speak for Ryan. (laughs) But they also seem relatively difficult to quash. And when various alternative human institutions make progress in various ways that religions appear not to, they might fall out of style, but are typically replaced by more of the same. And one strategy for... Mind change about this is kind of the Dawkins, Hitchens, militant, atheism-style attacks. We're going to go after a religion and argue that all of its claims are false and that that it's child abuse and that you must stop. (laughs) Another strategy for people who are more prone to psychedelic drugs... (laughs) is uh, this Discordianism stuff. So, you know, in general, what that is, is I call it a satire religion. Um, Let's see. Wikipedia calls it a parody religion. That works for me, too. Same idea. And it was invented in the 50s and 60s The primary document of it is called the Principia Discordia, that was written by a computer (laughs) scientist and a sort of uh, political revolutionary type, Gregory Hill and Carrie Thornley, and expanded upon by Robert Shea and Robert Anton Wilson in the Illuminatus Trilogy. That's kind of where it became more popular, and that was early 70s. So, I'm just going to throw a few of their memes at you, and if you have any comments, we can talk about that. It's based, and it gets its name, from what I take to be a classical Greek myth, that they didn't make this up, this is a thing. They made up the term for it. They call this the original snub. (laughs) But there was a story about a wedding between Peleus and Thetis and Zeus invited all the other gods to it because this is a big shindig mm-hmm. and but he left out Eris because she being the goddess of chaos discord confusion bureaucracy and international relations <laughs> he thought would just cause trouble and didn't want her around well that pissed her off so she thought she would subvert the event by showing up with a golden apple with the word kalisti printed on it, which apparently translates roughly to for the prettiest one, and threw this apple in amongst the goddesses, and them being vain and foolish beings, immediately started a fight over this apple. <laughs> so that, you know, she kind of fucked up their little gathering and apparently it resolved because uh, zeus said well we're gonna let paris make this decision and then these three different goddesses who were all fighting over it yep. um each offered paris a different prize mm-hmm. and of course the one that said hey you can have helen of troy mm-hmm. the most beautiful woman on earth won and that started the trojan war and then Ares had achieved her mission of creating a whole fuck ton of chaos on earth shit
0: can't invite her to any balls.
1: Yeah, she's got to be snubbed. So, so that's the goddess of Discordianism. Gotcha. That's awesome. You like that?
0: Well, I do, you know, because they all then turn to, like, Apollo a lot. And I imagine Apollo was like, why are you asking me?
1: You're like, saying that's part of this story?
0: Of the Trojan War, I believe. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they were all like, Apollo, me! No, me! You know, the, the Trojans versus the uh, Greeks, you know, the mercenaries.
1: So that's the most general background. The Discordians call it the myth of the apple of Discord. <laughs> all right, so then just a few, just to give you some of the flavor of this thing. We're going to, of course, put a link up to the to a copy of the Principia Discordia on the web, and all of you are encouraged to go check it out for yourself, because it's a very fun read Uh, I'll throw a few of their ideas at you that I kind of like just so you can see what we're talking about, so they have a symbol because religion must that people can rally around, put on little necklaces, whatnot, and it appears in the style of a yin yang but in pla- it, it's got the white and the black and the wavy line across the middle but in place of the two dots they have the apple of discord on one side and a pentagon on the other side and when we get to the next thing you know we can get it well we'll tell you what the pentagon is all about they call it the sacred cow <laughs> but uh that is c h a o which they claim is the singular form of chaos so, chaos is, you know, C-H-A-O-S, and that's but it's like cows and the sacred cow, and they're making a joke there, and it's all like jokes within jokes. The sacred cow is the key to illumination, devised by the apostle Hung Meng in ancient China. It symbolizes many different things. One, it symbolizes the hodge and the podge, which we might get to later, and it symbolizes the two illusions, the aneuristic and the heuristic illusions, that they say everyone is under the sway of. The aneuristic principle is that of apparent order, and the heuristic principle is that of apparent disorder. The Discordians, though, are claiming both order and disorder are man-made concepts and artificial divisions of pure chaos, which is the deeper level that's really going on. So this is a sort of... Dichotomy that one can, if they want to, for fun, choose to view the world through. And all these intellectuals that we've been talking about on the Doddler's philosophy could be put into one of these two houses: the house of the rising hodge or the rising podge, as victims <laughs> of either the aneuristic oristic illusion. If they look at things, everything is very ordered, and it's you know it, there's true and false, and everything's black and white. And we know, and our job is to figure out the truth. The, so the truth seekers are. Apostles of the aneuristic principle, and then perhaps some of our more margin dwelling types <laughs> might be more aoristic. Okay. Does anybody come to mind or like does that mean anything for you? Not yet. Nope. <laughs> Feels just like a short. So we also talked about in the Wilson episode the the twenty three mystery or whatever, right? How once you start watching for this quote-unquote random number of 23, one is often surprised to notice how often it arises in their life. So that was derived from the Discordian Law of Fives. And the Law of Fives, they write, is one of the oldest Erisian mysteries. It was first revealed to... Oh, the na- these two people took... Uh, colorful pen names when they wrote this. And one is called Malaclips the Younger, and the other is Omar Khayyam Ravenhurst. (laughs) And you can go do your own homework to figure out what that's all about. So, uh, first revealed to good Lord Omar, and is one of the great contributions to come from the hidden temple of the happy Jesus. The point of the, the law of fives is this. All things happen in fives or are divisible by or are multiples of five or are somehow directly or indirectly appropriate to five. (laughs) (laughs) They really like to do disjunctions in discordianism. Everything is this or this or this. And there's kind of like no way to go wrong. (laughs) And uh, a phrase that Wilson likes to tack on after this is given enough ingenuity on the part of the interpreter. And all of this, the part that I like most about it is, is this, Subversive epistemology that is saying, whatever you become enthralled with, you are capable of seeing everywhere. Ryan. (laughs) Those of us who have our ideas or our holy documents or the memes that we're most in love with. We, as human primates and pattern-seeking creatures or whatever they like to say we are, can find it in many places. And that's what the whole Law of Fives is a parody of. It's just saying everything is somehow related to five if you want, if you're clever enough. So then they do things like the peace sign. Well, there's a five in that because the there's two fingers up and three fingers down, which is 23. It's the Roman numeral for five, the V, and so that the 23 is in there and the five and the that, and they just do that kind of stuff. And it's a sort of creative, but satirical, subversive enterprise. I don't know. That's a fun move, in my opinion, that like these hippies it's like to do. totally
0: great. It doesn't apply to me, but it's definitely very <laughs> great.
1: Right. I can see how everybody else does this. <laughs> One of the expansions uh, that grew out of the Principia Discordia and was expanded upon in Shea and Wilson's Luminatus Trilogy was Operation Mindfuck. Mm. And that's their sort of, you know, CIA or whatever, their international bureau of, you know, we're going to go out there and, and do things behind the scenes. The Black Ops. And they have various exoteric and probably esoteric activities, some of which I wouldn't be able to tell you about because I would be in trouble. But one that I am <laughs> is, some, is one of the, their projects is the... Uh, let's see, what did they call that one? am not going to be able to find it in time. They had a clever name for it. But one thing that they stress is they say everyone on earth is a pope. Instead of saying, you know, well, Catholicism is wrong and it's stupid to have this one individual who's infallible or whatever. And they, just, they go the other way and say, no, everybody's a pope and we're all infallible and they have a pan papacy project <laughs> or something like that where they hand out these Pope cards that say, the bearer of this card is genuine and authorized Pope. Please treat him right. <laughs> and they've been handing those out in the back of books and leaving them at bus stations and putting them everywhere for years. And uh-huh. Apparently, we are allowed to, what's the word for making somebody a Pope? We can sanctify, we can do whatever, anybody, even over the radio. So now all you poor listeners have all been declared Popes as well. Of uh, Discordianism, so too bad for you. Does the um, <clears throat> does
0: this kind of Operation Mindfuck thing, you know how there's a Andre the Giant stickers everywhere in at least the United States? I, I don't know if you've ever noticed those or not, but I have. And, and you said uh, these, you know, these papal postcards or whatever they are, where you you know you're these calling cards or you know that everybody gets and is then, once they read it, they are now decreed a pope or whatever. But the Andre to the Giant thing, it was almost always at, you know, bus stops and things like that, as I recall. Do you ever remember ever seeing those stickers? You're just about to say no, aren't you? I think I know what you're talking about, but I don't
1: know their significance.
0: (laughs) But is that, well, yeah, I don't know, but it seems like it's the, well, you see it everywhere. You know, it almost seems like one of those little types of projects that, you know. Right. You know, it's like, you can't really put your finger on it, and if you aren't privy to, like, The Prince's Bride or, like, wrestling, you wouldn't know... You'd know that the face was strongly uh, accentuated in an interesting way, but you wouldn't know maybe the name Andre the Giant, or...
1: You know what I mean? It's possible you would just see the sticker everywhere. Well, I would say that you probably don't even... Consciously mm. realize that the sticker is there until someone points it out, perhaps, and sure. then you start seeing it everywhere. Yeah, those right. stickers were probably there already, and you've probably run your eyes across hundreds of them before in your life, but you never noticed. But is this a play on the same
0: uh, cognitive activities? Like, for instance, uh, someone quits smoking, they see everyone smoking, or mm. my thing is after uh, you know, living with a pregnant woman twice. She was pregnant twice. It was the same woman. Um, I I noticed pregnant ladies. Like, I noticed. I'm like, you are pregnant in my head. It's like kind of repeating itself. Um, and I have to, like, hold back so I don't just say it because you never know. But, you know, like, it's it's that kind of thing. Whereas before, it just wasn't really part of your your view. And then all of a sudden it was. Yep. I will not segue this into niche constructionism, but you uh, you could. Oh, so. oh, yeah. See, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is, that's no relevance at all to this discussion. Yeah. Well, and then I, you know, I'm seeing it everywhere. So that's another thing: is this kind of stuff where you're talking the 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 thing itself, the meme itself, or whatever we want to call it. Know, kids are restructuring the bedroom, um, where you're like, oh, hey, you know. The idea you see it everywhere or whatever, can't you use that and that become a uh, you see it everywhere you see you see it everywhere everywhere you know like it's like
1: mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah they like to go meta
0: yeah it's I guess meta that's the word I'm looking for
1: so do you have any thoughts on whether or in what ways this type of construction creation enterprise might or might not, have an effect on religious people and or young people growing up and deciding whether or not they're going to buy into a religion. Would exposure to this kind of parody be a successful strategy for, in any way, reducing the prevalence of the virulent memeplex religions instead of ones like this that are quite playful and like nobody's going to go to war over discordianism or be a martyr for it
0: right um i think some might but the issue with the the meaning that a teenager is after might be Yeah, it might be too strong, you know, in part maybe because hormones or something, you know, not all. But I think a lot of teenagers are are looking for somewhere to belong and maybe discordianism potentially for a, a person at a particular stage in their life between, I don't know, what are we saying, like 15 and 20 or something like that, like an impressionable stage. We could probably bump it out to, like, 15 to 25 if we were, you know, wanted, you know. But I worry that, like, it's all very sophisticated, and it's clearly by people who've passed through that filter and have come out on the other side who are, like, turning and looking back in that sort of curse of knowledge way and just, you know, when you're a teenager and you're in it and and whatever it is that matters to you, it matters to you in a really accentuated way, then, that kind of, for at least me, and I don't know about anyone else, but it sort of fades over time. And you kind of longingly wish you felt that strong, you know, urgency that teenage years takes on. The other thing is, is that um, I feel like a lot of today's identity politics and, you know, all that kind of takes this same approach of, like, when people go in, they go in all the way, you know? Like, And so, you know, Me Too or whatever it is, people go full on. And I do kind of think that Discordianism might be a bit too subtle for an 18-year-old. Not all 18-year-olds, but a lot of them, I think. And so they might go towards religion, because religion, it's like when you watch movies these days, it always ends in this giant, important battle between you know and that appeals to a certain age i think for myself I, it's it's yawn you know uh, induce yawn inducing or whatever it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me cuz there's no subtlety there's no nuance and it's like i don't know
1: i can see how it would really score low on the cause scale or the the seriousness the this is i'm going to identify with it and make it and be devoted to this cause but it would score highly on some other traits that i associate with young adults of being cynical and being uh edgy you know it's this isn't your parents religion type thing like oh you know you could be cool by doing this but maybe that's more of a gen x thing. i feel like and that's exactly aren't what into I was, that yeah, anymore that's exactly
0: yeah. what i was thinking i was like oh my god whatever you know that totally <laughs> is very gen x and millennials are so much more sincere because there's a a greater population size among them and now generation z i have no fucking idea but like boomers they were you know a large it was what they call in demography you know a youth bulge and they were all pissed off and had the anti-war and wanted you know to expand rights to many people of many different backgrounds in the united states that didn't have it and so i'm just talking about american politics right now but you know uh and i think there is an element of Uh, Because I see it everywhere, but this sort of density-dependent angst that people might be less into Discordianism during those times when they feel like they're just kind of needing elbow room and they're not getting it. So they need something meaningful now, you know, that kind of thing. I wonder if there's any kind of... Basically, what I'm saying is I wonder if there's population structure has anything to do with... uh, acceptance of something like this versus not you know if you had a low population and they're like oh fuck you i don't want to farm
1: well given enough ingenuity on the part of the interpreter i'm sure you can make this about evolution and populations
0: (laughs) yeah well we could talk about that move after you've uh oh i'm done you're done okay i was
1: about to wrap the short up so if you have something to well the only thing
0: about that move is that that's a that's one of those that's one of those sweeps right where it's just like that it's like It's a weird thing. It's going meta, right? It's like, oh, that you could apply that to itself. You know, like it's one of those things that applies to everything. And I don't know. I mean, I guess some in some ways, you know, one gets along just fine, perhaps thinking that way about everything, everywhere, all the time. But sometimes I think that our interactions tend to, at least in appearance, concretize in a way that is not so slippery or fluid as that statement seems to make people out to be or whatever, you know, like a transaction requires something for the, whatever you're exchanging to land, you know? And so to me, um, interpreting things as you wish or whatever in any situation, uh, if you need it to be favorable upon yourself or whatever, I think that's not, not correct you know what i mean i mean what i'm trying to say is i don't disbelieve that or dis or 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 not appreciate that i'm just saying that um somewhere that's got to kind of hit its own limits i guess for there to be certain kinds of interactions but i haven't It just... That pokes out at me when you say... When you say that, it's like, oh, yeah, that can apply everywhere, so no one can really do anything,
1: and it's like... Well, yeah, if so, maybe I would be Like the ultimate in cancel culture. That those types of interactions are ones that I would like to minimize, maybe. Goddamn capitalists. I don't know.
0: No, I think... Well, maybe what I'm trying to say is if you define something like an economy as like an exchange between whatever information energy etc in any kind of system that if the system needs to transfer information etc then there's going to be some type of uh, transaction fee it doesn't have to be capitalist
1: well to end this episode <laughs> by throwing the uh, and what I hope to be an apt discordian prayer at you uh everything is true in some sense false in some sense meaningless in some sense true and false in some sense true and false and meaningless in some sense and if you repeat this 23 times a day while facing your belinda california you will achieve supreme enlightenment in some sense